Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, this is the beginning of the Paternity Chronicles, yes? <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. We are here on December 26th, but this won't be in our uh, listeners' earbuds until the new year. Now we're uh, we're getting things started here. So Merry Christmas to all you folks, and happy 2023 by the time you're listening to this. Oof, yeah, happy 2023 to you all. Ben, do you, you don't really get very, uh, you're not a retrospective man, are you? Oh, not at all. Past Christmas, I think New Year's might be the only holiday I dislike more Christmas. New Year's is top of the power rankings of terrible holidays for me. Yeah, yeah, I I, I hear that for sure. Yeah, I uh, I am the opposite. I mean, not in terms of disliking the holidays, but the opposite in terms of I get, I'm very much a like, ah, oh, let me think about the past year and look forward. And and I, I feel like this is my first year where I have not come to the podcast looking for that same kind of energy. I know you too well now. I know to not <laughs> not expect that kind of energy at the end of the year. I mean, I can engage in it when necessary. Like I'm capable of reflecting, but just New Year's as a concept and like it's just an arbitrary passage yeah. of time. And for me as a school teacher, I mark years in mm. terms of school years. So it's kind of useless that way. And then I also don't drink. So like all of that added up is just like a waste of a holiday. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I hadn't thought about the teacher school year. You're just operating on like a different calendar in terms of when things start and end. Yeah, for sure. So I I, I feel retrospective at the ends of school years, I think. That makes sense. All right. Well, I'll check in with you in, in May, I guess. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but for now, we are actually going to take a little retrospective down uh, 2022. But for limited, and we'll be looking at uh, the five sets as sort of a way to summarize, look back on the formats that we played, the things we liked, the things we didn't like. We've got 12 categories to outline. But I know that you have been dipping into the Excel spreadsheet of Magic Online for some Vintage Cube, Ben. How's that been treating you? It's back. I mean, it's been there, but I've been away. I've probably taken a good like three, four year hiatus from Vintage Cube, maybe three year hiatus from Vintage wow. Cube. Like done it once or twice when it's been out, but not felt like I want to draft Vintage Cube. Like normally during this time, I would keep drafting Bro or keep drafting the Arena Cube. But the Arena Cube is officially dead to me after my poor <laughs> Arena Open run. And I'm I'm a little tired of Bro. So I thought, you know what? I want to play Vintage Cube. And you had been on me about like, what well, do you even like magic anymore? And I was like seriously like, feeling that. I was feeling introspective about do I even really like magic? And Vintage Cube, boy, howdy. Has it convinced me that I do still love magic? Nothing quite feels as good as you having tons of permanence on the battlefield and your opponents having none. And you just knowing that nothing can possibly go wrong. <laughs> the warmest of warmest fuzzy blankets. That's right. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been resolving some balances. I have been resolving some balances. I have been drafting some terrible decks with terrible <laughs> mana bases. I am rusty. And the Vintage Cube is honestly significantly different i think like brown decks just don't really exist anymore brown being mono artifact decks which was my favorite style of deck to draft that was like the most busted thing you could do that wasn't storm and i am not a certified storm pilot i am very hold on by the seat of your pants if i am playing storm and hope something good happens <laughs> yeah like you're not only battling against your own deck and your opponent <laughs> yes. but the clock you yes. know because <laughs> you're like opponents do i have do i have lethal here let me check for the 12th time yeah i fired up a vintage cube draft i was kind of inspired by you a little bit and i was like well i'm off off stream and like Back from my in-laws at the end of a, a long Christmas day, I was like, I'll fire up a vintage cube draft. And I was about to start drafting my normal Jund land garbage nonsense and go 2-1. And I was like, 
why don't I try like drafting this like a normal human? And so I, I pack one, pick one splinter twin, no. which I, I hate because I'm like, I hate splinter twin combo, but I was like, what if I'm like actually trying to do the thing? So I started with splinter twin then I got a, a palace jailer pick three and I was like, well, I know this is busted. So I'll take this. Maybe we get into like a white deck. And then by the middle of pack two, suddenly I have Yogwill and Lion's Eye Diamond and oh, I'm no. drafting the worst storm deck possible. And it didn't go well. It did not go well. go well. So I, you know, I, I tried a little bit, but I'll probably just be going back to my own fetch land, Renin Six garbage that I'm used to. Yeah, but there are a lot of new cards. You mentioned yeah. Alice Jailer, Custody Liches in there, like the black mm-hmm. version, the 4-2 that makes someone sack a creature and then you become the monarch. Been very impressed with that. There's just a lot of new, it feels different to me. It feels mm-hmm. significantly different. So I've got some learning to do. I am jazzed about drafting Vintage Cube over Christmas break. I'm very jazzed for you. That's super exciting. And you know what else I'm jazzed for? The Arena Decathlon is back, baby. Ooh, yeah. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Although I wish it were now. It needs to be I know. Now, not in January. I know. Timing wizards. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be back in school. I will have a little one. So I probably won't be able to participate. But I am glad they're bringing it back. So this was an event that they rolled out last year. And I was pretty skeptical of it, to be honest, when it started. And then I just found myself playing all of the events. I think I got eight of the 10 decathlon tokens for a total of three entries last year. It's a little different this year, but what this is, is there's 10 different events um, that exist and you can play in one to all of them. And depending on how many of them you trophy in, you get a decathlon token and the number of tokens you get at the end of the event qualifies you for the decathlon finals, which we'll talk about in just a second, but maybe we should roll through what these 10 events are. Yeah, they are spread throughout limited constructed. So I only got three tokens last year, which were the three limited events. But if you like both formats or you just want to dip your toe in a constructed and see, you're certainly welcome to do more. And the more tokens you get, the more entries you get into the final. So Decathlon 1 is called Jump In, and you choose two themed packs and combine them into a deck and play. That sounds like Jumpstart-ish. I guess, yeah, boo to that, I say, though I guess that's like, it's random enough that maybe you can just spike a win. Decathlon 2 is Popper, and I believe that's Popper Historic. And what I did for the constructed events last year was I basically just waited until like the end of day one of the event, because these are up for like three to four days, basically like this, you know, decathlon one and two are from January 1st to 4th, basically waited till the end of the first day and checked Twitter to see like, oh, that de- that looks like a deck I can pilot. Like last year, I remember there was some format where like mono black, maybe it was historic. People were just like, oh, this mono black deck is busted. And so I just like picked that up and went 7-0 with it. Filthy so- net deckers, am I right? Oh my gosh, have to, must do. I can't, <laughs> look, I'll innovate with 40 cards, not 60 cards. I can't do that. <laughs> so after those two, we've got January 4th through 7th. We've got Decathlon 3, which is Mixed Dominaria Sealed. It's Dominaria, DMU, and Brothers War. That sounds like it'll be fun. That sounds like a pile, but yeah, sure. Uh, then Decathlon 4 is standard with Gift Bag Emblem, which I'm dubbing Rectangle Emblem. At the beginning of your upkeep, you choose one that hasn't been chosen. You make a treasure token, a clue token, or a food token. You have to promise me that you'll brew for that one. I have to promise you that I'll brew? All right, I'll, I'll build a Ginny Faye deck for that, I guess. There we go. <laughs> All right, January 7th through 10th, Decathlon 5 is Bro Traditional Draft, so definitely going to be jamming that one. And then Decathlon 6 is just Classic Alchemy. We'll be not partaking in that. <laughs> we'll be abstaining, that's the word. January 10th through 13th, Decathlon 7, you've got Kamigawa Neo Bot Draft. That'll be an easy one. 
Yeah, and Decathlon 8 is Traditional Explorer. That's best of three. Best of three constructed. That's tough for me. Like, I feel like I can spike the best of one constructed ones. Best of three constructed, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> Sideboarding is so hard. It's so hard. And then that takes us through the end, which is January 13th through 16th. Decathlon 9 is Omniscience Bot Draft. So if you've not done one of those, all your spells can be cast for no mana. So it's just kind of the closest thing you can get to vintage cube stuff on arena. It's total nonsense. And then the last event to 10 is called on the edge. It's sort of like a block constructed. You bring a 60 card deck with cards from streets, Dominaria United and the brothers war. So the last three standard sets. Yeah. I assume that would be cool if you're a constructed player to have a new format to brew in. Yeah. I mean, again, if that's best of one, I I'll wait till the end of day one and see what people are, uh, are all about and, and craft that deck. So then depending on the number of tokens you get, you get entries into the finals. Three tokens gets you one entry, seven tokens gets you two entries, and 10 tokens gets you two entries, plus 10 play-in points towards uh, one of the ABCDEFGQ qualifiers. <laughs> exactly, the qualifier for the qualifiers. So you can get one or two entries to the decathlon finals, which is a wild format, Ben. It sounds miserable. It is... <laughs> Everyone gets the same sealed pool sealed. So it needs to be gigantic, right? For it to even be remotely interesting. Right, because they haven't said, it just says traditional best of three phantom duplicate sealed. It doesn't say what the format is. It doesn't say what the sets will be. So I have to imagine it's going to be like a monstrous pool. Yeah, that seems like a good uh, good assumption. Yeah, I'm not about the finals format in concept, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe when we get there, it will be more fun. I am definitely... Very jealous of my brother's Jace avatar that he won in the last uh, decathlon finals. I only did one bullet and I didn't get there to get the uh, the Jace avatar. Yeah, I did not either. I, I cashed both of them or whatever, like got the profit in both of them that I, I had the entries to. But uh, yeah, I did not get the Jace, the Mind Sculptor avatar. But you have to imagine that you specifically will have an edge against the field in this decathlon finals, right? I mean, that depends on the power level of cards. If there's a lot of rares and mythics, like... I don't think so. It depends on because this feels like they're trying to make it halfway in between limited and constructed, you know, because yeah. it's mix of both of those formats for the event. But if this is I don't know, man, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that it will be tolerable. I, oh I, this gosh. sounds terrible. A to me. Classic Ben. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think it could be fun. Like if it was just like obviously a, whatever a six booster sealed event, that sounds horrible. But uh, but if it's just some like monstrous, you know, one hundred and eighty card sealed pool or whatever that you're trying to build from, that seems pretty fun. And you just get to build a deck you want to play. Maybe maybe yeah. that'll be fine. I could just see myself overanalyzing it completely, though. You and getting no, lost in the sauce. That doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so really looking forward to that. That'll be sweet. Uh, so I guess that'll be underway. Uh, the first two events will be underway when you hear this episode. Um, but if that sounds of interest to you, check that out on Arena. Got a couple housekeeping things to take care of, and then let's dive into the best and worst of Limited 2022. First things first, let's shout out the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Show is always free, but we got some perks along the way up the reward tier rankings. First thing everybody gets access to is the Lords of Limited Discord, a fantastic place to be for new sets, a fantastic place to be for stuff like the Arena Decathlon. You want to know what like net decks there are in those uh, events? You better be sure we're going to have channels for all 10 of those Decathlon events. Um, it's going to be a great place to sort of like figure out, pick the brain of like-minded limited individuals, folks trying to spike the constructed events who are mainly limited players. Really good resource there for folks. Move up the rankings, get access to our show notes in advance of the episode, get access to the episode 
episode a day early. You can even get access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben, depending on how high you want to go. Don't have any patrons to shout out right now because we are in the Paternity Chronicles, but be sure that in a few weeks we will have a long, long list of folks to welcome into the Patreon fold. So thank you all for your continued support of the show. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. And honestly, you're talking about the decathlon a little bit in that blurb there being the Lord's Limited Discord. That was the coolest part about this event that I remember from last time. It just united the whole community. I remember thinking that that was the sweetest part about it. It was almost arena open-esque in that sense, but over an extended period of time that everyone was like caring about this thing and working towards this thing and talking about it on Twitter and in the Discord. It was really cool. Yeah, I totally agree. And it felt sort of like the community versus the house, you know, like everyone was just trying to, it's like playing craps at the casino. Like (laughs) everybody is like, playing together. And that's how it felt like with the decathlon stuff. It was like, okay, what deck are you doing here? Oh, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Whatever. Like that stuff was really, really sweet. Yeah. Show is also brought to you by TCG player, tcgplayer.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. We want to shout out the TCG player subscription. It's $6.99 a month for a subscription that's going to get you free shipping and tracking. So you should definitely be on there if you are ordering things even semi-regularly from TCG Player. It's going to be well worth your money. You get extra store credit back on purchases, plus you get access to all the CFB Pro articles that everyone's writing each and every week about limited, constructed, you name it. We would also appreciate if you're going to buy some sealed product from TCGplayer.com or sign up for a subscription to use our affiliate link. There's two different ways to get there. You can go to lordsoflimited.com slash TCGplayer, and that will redirect you to the TCG Player affiliate link. Or you can go to our website. There's a bunch of other sweet stuff on our website you can check out while you're there. There's tier lists, there's links to our Lords of Limited merch, a bunch of stuff going on, but you can click the support tab and then click TCG player and that will also redirect you to our affiliate link. And we would greatly appreciate you taking the time to do that for anything that you're buying over at TCGplayer.com. Boom. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be back with the best and worst of Limited 2022. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nothing feels better than being locked into a game of magic. Getting that spidey sense and not attacking with your Saren Steelseeker only to see your opponent end step and ambush paratrooper. And we all have days where we're locked into life. Waking up energetic, motivated, and positive and having that feeling carry you all the way to getting into bed. But that's not every day. Sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. Working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. Having an outside eye to bounce ideas off of, help hold you accountable, or problem solve with can prepare you to take on everything life throws at you. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash lore today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash lords. And now back to the show. All right, Ben. So for today, we've got 12 categories and we're looking at the five main sets from 2022. So that's Neon Dynasty, Streets of New Capenna, Alchemy Horizons, Baldur's Gate, Dominaria United, and The Brothers War. Any, any like, you know, preliminary thoughts, any teasings you want to do before we dive into these categories? This was really hard. I did not really stick to the assignment very well. I have lots of nominations for every category. It was was very difficult for me to pick a best. Oh, dear. There are a lot of honorable mentions because I just thought so many cards needed recognition. And I also, you know, we were talking about feeling nostalgic about the year that came before or whatever. Mm -hmm. This was cool, I think, to take a look through all the sets and just be like, oh, yeah, that card. I remember Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. I I enjoyed this very much prepping for this episode. Yeah, I did an article like this last year. And as I was writing the article, I was like, oh, man, this would be 
this would be way more fun to do with Ben. And so we decided to try it out this year instead as a show. So we've both come to the episode much like we do for like, you know, the crash course with our rankings and our top commons. We've come to this episode with separate answers. So we'll see. It'd be fun to see where we overlap. Be fun to see how many honorable mentions Ben gives. (laughs) So uh, without further ado, let's kick things off with our first category, which is common removal spell. Do you want to start with your best or your worst? I will start with my best common removal spell, and it goes to Patriarch's Humiliation. Single white for the instant. uh, Deals damage to target creature equal to the number of creatures you control, and that creature loses all abilities permanently. That is also my best removal spell at common for 2022. I mean, it's, it's hard to compete, right? Especially because after the alchemy rebalancing, Patriarch's Humiliation... I think clearly emerged as just like the best common in Alchemy Horizons. Yes. So how did you go about compiling here? Did, were you on 17 lands? I was, I, was a, I was a 17 lands data boy. Uh, I, yeah, so I had five tabs up of the five different sets. Ooh, that's so much smarter. I just kept doing the sets back and forth. I also scryfalled quite a bit. Yes, I definitely scryfalled. When we, when we get to some later categories, I definitely had to scryfall. And I also, when we get to some later categories, had to go back through, like, go go to our show notes for our crash course, go to the spreadsheet for our grades. There's a lot a lot of tabs open on my uh, computer screen yesterday. But yeah, Patriarch's Humiliation felt like the clear front runner to me. Um, this was not, I, don't, I assume you don't have any honorable mentions here. I have several honorable oh, mentions gosh. here, mostly, okay, because, mostly because HBG just doesn't still quite feel like a legitimate set to me. So I wanted to shout out some cards from our more legitimate sets. Oh my gosh. I, this uh, Judge, uh, uh, objection. <laughs> more legitimate. It's, uh, it's unacceptable. This uh, is just as legitimate a limited format as the others. Mm, we'll leave that to the comment section. Oh, yeah, that's what we want to do. Leave leave up the alchemy discourse to the internet. Let's do that. <laughs> okay, what are your honorable mentions? My first honorable mention is Suit Up from Neo, which isn't technically a removal spell, but might as well have been a removal Judge. spell. <laughs> this is two and a blue, and you turned your thing into a four, five, and drew a card. And blocking was so forced in Neo, this was a great way to get your opponent's things off the battlefield. And removal was just kind of bad in that format in general. So I think this was a cool way for there to be sort of something removal-esque. Yeah, and a two-for-one, which is nice because that was one of the reasons removal was so tough in that format. Like, Twisted Embrace was good, but because it did other things, like, it was an aura, so it had enchantment synergies. It made your creature modified, so there were synergies there. But yeah, um, being able to two-for-one with suit up was really good. My second honorable mention... You're going to have to rein it in, sir. We're going to be here for two hours. No, it's going to be fine. We're going to be totally <laughs> fine. Is destroy evil, one in a white, mm. destroy target enchantment, or target creature power four or greater from Dominaria United. And I think this was just a very underrated removal spell. This was not on people's radar. So I think this was like the best hidden gem removal yeah. spell, if that were a category, but it wasn't. So I just wanted to make sure this card got a shout out. Ooh, I like Hidden Gem. That's something we should maybe track is uh, what do we like as categories for future episodes? I like Hidden Gem as a good one. All right. Where are you on worst common removal spell? I landed on Incriminate from Streets of New Capenna. This is one in a black for a sorcery. Choose two target creatures controlled by the same player. That player sacrifices one of them. This was just, I mean, totally atrocious. Not a card that ever did anything. I mean, at best, it kills your opponent's second best creature. Um, at worst, it doesn't even have a target because they only have one creature, etc. Like, just really not a good card. And I, I have an honorable mention, which is uh, Charmed Sleep, uh, the one blue blue aura uh, taps a thing and, and keeps it tapped. What format was that in? 
That was in your favorite, Alchemy Horizons. Ooh, perfect. <laughs> My worst removal spell is Tamio's Completion. This is three and a blue enchantment aura, flash, enchant artifact, creature, or planeswalker. When ETBs tap enchanted permanent, if it's an equipment, unattach it. Enchanted permanent loses all abilities and doesn't untap during its controller's untap step, which is kind of like a fine-ish removal spell. It wasn't mm-hmm. stone unplayable or whatever, but just a nod to all of the things we kind of dislike about removal on the show, which is enchantment aura base. So there's like some shenanigans there. Also, removal was just very bad in general in Neon Dynasty, which is the format that this is from. So I think all of that added up made Tamio's completion just very unexciting as far as removal spells go. Yeah, there was some like weird niche stuff you could do because it like removed abilities. So there were some like star star saga creatures that you could kill with Tamio's completion. But yeah, I agree. Largely clunky. All right, that takes us on to our next category of best and worst common creatures. I have to imagine we have the same answer for best common creature. I have Inspiring Overseer from Streets of New Capenna. This is two and a white for a 2-1 with flying. When it enters the battlefield, you gain a life and you draw a card. That is the creature that I gave the best award to. But I also have several honorable mentions ready to go because that is just such an obvious such answer. Such an obvious? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, and that was a card that nobody has ever forgetting. No, there were a lot of things that put a bad taste in my mouth about Streets of New Capenna, and that is certainly one of them. Well, and I think five years from now or whatever, we're still going to be referencing Inspiring Overseer as, you know, busted, overpowered common that is, you know, putting a stranglehold on what you can do in the format. I hope so. But Power Creep would say otherwise, like maybe in two years, we'll be like, remember when we thought Inspiring Overseer was broken? (laughs) (laughs) That's also possible. Yeah. So my first honorable mention goes again to not a creature. Can you guess what this is? Oh, yes, I can guess what this is. This is Okiba Reckoner Raid. This is not Okiba Reckoner Raid, but that is a good nomination. It's from that format, possibly the most underrated common of all time, Imperial Oath, baby. Oh, nice. I actually, I have awarded that something a little later in the episode. That's a good one. I accept that as a best common creature. So that's five and a white, make three two twos, and then you scry three? Is that yes. what it did? Scry what three. Card. I mean, it's it's it basically read make three two twos and then find your next copy of Imperial Oath. Yeah. Card was a house for sure. I also have a second honorable mention for my boy, Talarian Terror from DMU. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, Talarian Terror is so good. I mean, that that still has my vote as best common from DMU. Well, and just that whole cycle of creatures being so surprising and staying hidden during spoiler season and then being such a huge part of the format, all of that was just a very cool journey. So that's the six and a blue for the five five with Ward 2 and cost one less to cast for each instant or sorcery in your graveyard. Yeah. All right. What do you got for the worst common creature? I have Toxic Abomination. Ooh. One in a black for a 3-2 when ETBs, <laughs> you lose two life. Oh, that's such a dagger because not only is that creature quite bad, but I was trying to sell you on it during <laughs> spoiler season. I was trying to be like, it's Crooked Custodian, right? Because like you lose the two life is the same as like it coming into play tapped. And you were like, you can't. How many of these can you put in a deck? (laughs) Yeah, definitely not the same. But also, it was playable. Like, I played it in decks that needed to beat down. Like, sometimes you needed a two-powered 3-2 thing. I've cast some Toxic Abominations. I also have a creature from DMU. I chose Llanowar Stalker. This is a single green for the 1-1. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Llanowar Stalker gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. I mean, you could have as many creatures come into play as you wanted, and Red Green Beats was certainly a deck. 
but this was certainly not a card in that deck. Yeah, I love the the self dagger there. You were trying yeah. to convince me of that in spoiler season. I have so many for the hot takes during preview season, and I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna shout you out on that one because I was also on seventeen lands, and that is literally at the bottom yep. of the game in hand win rate. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Basically, when we get to hot take during preview season, what I learned was I don't generally have good ones. <laughs> I generally have pretty bad ones. All right, our next category is kind of tough. I don't, I'm curious to see what you came up with here. We have the best, only best, no worst, the best golden egg of the year. Well, I went back to the 50 takes here and it was like, well, we don't really have one in this format. Well, we don't really have one in this format. I know. So I gave it to the only one that we awarded it to, which was Virus Beetle from Neon Dynasty. One in a black for the 1-1 one, one, when it ETBs, target opponent discards a card. I also awarded it to Virus Beetle, but I have two notes here. One is that we have to award a golden egg every 50 takes. Have to. Wow. Like, no more of this, like, oh, not there's not really one. Like, we have to do it because this, it's, it's a staple. People a staple. expect it. The okay. people want it. We can't deny them what they want. Got to give the people what they want. And second, I think this means, like, Virus Beetle was one of the best commons in Neon Dynasty. So you're lobbying for Scrapwork Cohort That's, to I'm get saying, it? I'm, I'm saying it's Scrapwork Mutt back on the menu. No, no. Energy Refractor. All right. Well, then I think it's got to be Energy Refractor. Yeah, I like maybe. I feel like there's there's some category fraud here again with Virus Beetle. That's my, yes. that's my feeling. That's but fair. I think, I think we just got to be better. I think we have some clear ideas about the strictures of the Golden Egg Award and what the requirements are. And I think we're going to be better in 2023, listeners. <laughs> I also gave a worst, a surprise nomination for a oh my worst Golden Egg, which is Experimental Synthesizer. That... That's not fair. You can't do that. <laughs> How can you do that to me? I mean, I okay. Just... Well, that, then I'm going to give a worst golden egg to I don't even remember the card's name, but the stupid two mana one three from Dominaria. Oh yeah, that is in the hot takes that are terrible. Okay, there we go. <laughs> that is Great. getting a the shout thing, out in that section. The thing that filtered your mana. Yeah, yeah. You, salvage uh, mana worker. There it is. Salvage mana worker. Yeah, it did in fact salvage some poor drafts. That is, <laughs> with the name of the card was accurate. But uh, so experimental synthesizer uh, was literally the egg from Neo, and this this was so good except it just wasn't quite what red ended up wanting to do but was very powerful mm -hmm. so this was single red for the artifact etbs or leaves the battlefield exile the top card of your library until end of turn you can play that card and then two in a red you could sack it to make a two two white samurai creature token with vigilance only at sorcery speed i still stand this card i love it it's such a good card yes and i thought it needed some recognition in this retrospective that we're doing so hence the worst or honestly it's not bad like it's more of an honorable mention for the best but we just didn't give it a golden egg award correct yeah all right that's going to take us on to uncommon removal spell i have as the best sea tower imprisonment from alchemy horizons this is two white white for an aura you enchant creature or planeswalker you don't control when sea tower imprisonment enters the battlefield you conjure a card named soldiers of the watch onto the battlefield which was a 2-1 with double team which meant when it attacked you conjured another copy of that card into your hand and they both lose double team and enchanted permanent can't attack or block and it's activated abilities can't be activated i was kind of surprised looking through the 17 lands, you know, best uncommons of all five sets. How many of these white uncommon removal spells were top of the rankings? Yeah, the auras were impressive. I also gave Sea Tower Imprisonment the best, but in true snubbing <laughs> it to HBG fashion, I have 
uh, a quote unquote real card here as well. So I have Sleep with the Fishes as my honorable yeah. mention. Two blue blue enchant creature. When it ETBs, you tap enchanted creature and make a one one blue fish that was unblockable. Enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. This accomplishes several things. I think this removal spell is great, but also get a shout out fish tokens, which were mm. incredible and one of the coolest things in SNC until they weren't because you couldn't interact with them. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's a good good take. What do you have for the worst uncommon removal spell? I've got a dagger here. Uh-oh. For me? A dagger for me? Dagger for you. Oh, no. Yosha declares war, baby. So you admit it's a removal spell. <laughs> it sounds like a dagger for you, sir. Well, you got me. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Card has text. Uh, yeah. All right. That's fair. Yosha declares war. I also have a red. Well, do you want to read? Do you even know what it does, Ben? Oh, not a chance. Do you know what it does from memory? Of course I do. Lay it on me. I don't okay, believe chapter this. Chapter one, you make an ornithopter. Yes. Chapter two, you can tap any number of untapped artifacts you control. If you do, it deals damage equal to those artifacts to target creature. Or? Or Planeswalker. Or Planeswalker. Okay. And then chapter four is target non-creature chapter artifacts. Chapter three, we've got them flustered, sorry, folks. <laughs> chapter three, is it target non-creature artifact or is it just target artifact? Up to one target artifact. Up to one target artifact loses all abilities and becomes a 4-4 creature until end of turn. Wow, I am impressed. I was responsible for 14% of that card being cast in best <laughs> of three, Ben. I better know what it does. I have another two-mana red card on my list, which is a card that I actually like quite a bit. I think it was much maligned and much misunderstood. Dragon Spark Reactor from Neon Dynasty. One and a red for an artifact. Whenever it or another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a charge counter on Dragon Spark Reactor. And you can pay four, sacrifice it. It deals damage equal to the number of charge counters on it to target player and that much damage to up to one target creature. Yeah, I thought that card was going to be great. And then it was not. It's just too slow for what the red decks wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of success with it in the grindy red black decks. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was. I think yeah, that was part of the problem and you didn't really want to load up on them anyway like it wasn't a sort of like oh i catch them all because you couldn't go like reactor 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 that was just too much do nothing and then you also didn't have time to spend like 12 mana over the course of the end game to you know kill your opponent or whatever but one of these in a grindy red black deck was excellent yeah i don't know about excellent but i saw you have good success with the card (laughs) but the data would say otherwise and we'll talk a little bit about the data on red and neon dynasty a little later but uh i think shouting this out as a worst uncommon removal spell seems apt all right that takes us to uncommon creatures my best goes to blossom prancer Ooh, 3gg from neon dynasty for the 4-4 with reach when etbs you'll get the top five reveal a creature card or enchantment from among them put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order if you didn't put a card in your hand this way you gain four a life wow did you you succumbed to the data here no i i thought blossom prince was insane and i also wanted to make sure that this was a green uncommon from neo because I thought we just had to talk about how broken Green's Uncommons were in Neo. Well, I'm happy that you want to talk about that because we can talk about it more with my best uncommon creature from the year. Capitec Wrecker? Capitec Wrecker, baby. <laughs> it's a one and a green for a 1-3 Turtle Ninja with Ninjutsu one and a green. It enters the battlefield with a Death Touch counter on it. And when it deals combat damage to a player, you may remove a Death Touch counter from it. When you do, exile target artifact or enchantment that player controls. Juggling ninjas in Neon Dynasty is one of my favorite memories from 2022 Limited. Oh, for sure. I did not get to play with Capitec Wrecker much in that format, though. Like, despite knowing early on that it was broken because people just 
just picked it so highly. I just have way more experience with Blossom Prancer. Honestly, I'm a little offended that you asked me if I succumbed to the data. <laughs> he's, it's five minutes later, he's like, "Let's." I need to return to this comment. <laughs> the daggers are being thrown, Ben. I had to try. So Blossom Prancer is the number one common, I think, by the data in Neon Dynasty. I know because I was you know, pouring over the 17 lands charts yesterday. But I, I just like Capitec Wrecker more. Cheaper. More versatile, splashable when you couldn't get into green. That was like our big divide, though, I think. Like you were getting going hard into green early. We we talked a lot a lot about green in Neon Dynasty, I remember. Yes, for sure. And I do have an honorable mention here as well. Uh, from Streets of New Capenna, Disciplined I, Duelist. I have the same honorable mention. Do you really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this was uh, Brokers. It was green, white, blue for a 2-1 with a double strike and a shield counter. Such an innocuous looking card during preview season. Yes. And then I distinctly remember, so my brothers and I all went to the pre-release in this format at our local game store. And then we went back and like tried to build some decks with our prize packs and things so that I could test the format. Because this uh, format, the pre-release happened before the digital release. Mm -hmm. And I remember my opponent casting a Disciplined Duelist, one of my brothers, on turn three. And I was just like, oh, no, this card is incredible. It was one of those ones where you had to see it across from you on the battlefield to really, I mean, maybe other people didn't have that issue. But that was when the moment clicked for me. Yeah, because you're just like, you look at your hand, you think about the cards in your deck, and you're like, how how do I ever not get savagely two for one by this? Well, and, and just like, how do you get the shield counter off right, to start yeah, with? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. In some cases, you couldn't even savagely two for one yourself. In some <laughs> cases, you were just like, well, I guess I'm ignoring that for the game. I don't know. Yeah. Very. Well, tough. then forget when it got a plus one plus one counter on it or something. You know. Oh yeah. Ugh. Oh, that was that card was a beating. My worst uncommon creature from the year. It's Coalition Sky Knight, three and a white for a 2-2 human knight from DMU with flying and enlist. These overcosted four mana small flyers with keywords just don't get there. They do not get there. I, I like that nomination. Mine is a bit of a contentious nomination here. When we were when we were doing this, I was peppering Ethan with lots of questions about, well, does this <laughs> count? Or what is you what do you mean by worst? And I was I told him that there were a lot of cards that I wanted to put in the worst category because they were like literally the worst. Like I wanted to put yeah. Coven, Hourglass Coven in the worst category because it was <laughs> terrible. It was the worst. Yeah. yeah. And he was I like, well, you can, you can take it however you want. So my, my nomination for the worst uncommon creature is Wingmantle Chaplain. I accept. So this is three and a white for an O3 with Defender. When ETBs, you make a 1-1 white bird creature token with flying for each creature with Defender you control. And whenever another Defender enters the battlefield after this is on the battlefield, you also make a 1-1 bird with flying. Yeah, if it maybe only made them when it entered the battlefield, I think it could have been acceptable. But the fact that it like you didn't get punished for, you know, you ran out all your shield wall sentinels, then you cast it and then even more walls that you drew could trigger this again, you know? Yeah, well, I think this was just a net negative for the format overall. Like you said, if you tweak any part of it to make it a little less powerful, or if it's not tutorable, or if it's a rare, like all of those things make it fine. But I think as it stands, made the format slightly worse well and you in true podcasting fashion have transitioned us beautifully into the sixth category which is best and worst uncommon build around i have wing mantle chaplain as best build around yeah i mean and i think it belongs there as well too but i think you cannot talk about dmu without talking about wing mantle chaplain i agree 
my best uncommon build around, I wanted to make sure that the most recent format got some love. So I nominated Levitating Statue for the best uncommon build around. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So this is two mana for the artifact from Bro. You can pay two to activate it to turn it into a 1-1 creature. It's got flying intrinsically. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Yeah, cards a house. It is not just a blue, red, gold uncommon. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just its own archetype, I think, and just a very good card. And I feel like for worst uncommon build around, speaking of Brothers War, you could really just like throw <laughs> like blindly point at any of the bottom cards from this. I chose Ivory Tower, but I think so many retro artifacts or honestly non-retro artifacts from Bro belong here, but I chose Ivory Tower. Single mana for an artifact at the beginning of your upkeep, you gain X life, where X is the number of cards in your hand, minus four. And I don't know what it says about you and me we must have like <laughs> memories of this card but i have the same feeling that you do which is like when i see it there's like a small part of me that goes well <laughs> is this the time <laughs> could we like how could we make this work i mean there's just no way to do it but i still have that feeling i'm like could be pretty good yeah love that shout out my worst uncommon build around is stimulus package from oh, Streets of Nicopena. Stimulus package, yeah. two red green for the enchantment. When ETBs make two treasure tokens, you can sack a treasure to make a 1-1 green and white citizen creature token. And honestly, just the fact that this was a total whiff is annoying, but then also was beautiful because came full circle. And basically, I was just using this to make two treasure tokens at the end of the <laughs> format and not like a poor man's big score, which was the three and a red discard a card, draw two, and then you make a treasure token or two treasure tokens. You make two treasure tokens. God, big score was great. Streets of New Capenna, I think, is the only format in history of the podcast that you have gone deeper than I have. <laughs> it's certainly up there for sure. Yes. Uh, all right, that brings us on to the best and worst rares of 2022. What do you got? My best rare of 2022 goes to Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Nice. That's my that's my honorable mention. This is two in red for the saga. And chapter one, you make a 2-2 that whenever it attacks, you make a treasure token. Chapter two, you can discard any number of cards. No, you can discard up to two cards from your hand and then <laughs> draw that many cards. And chapter three, this turns into Kiki Jiki. Well, but you have to pay one. Yes, you have to pay one, but essentially Kiki Jiki. Free tap. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, card is great. Uh, did you have a feeling in your brief stint with the Arena Cube? Did you have a feeling of like confusion with all of the different iterations of sagas? Like, I definitely have like played Kiki Jiki or Yugen Defends the Temple and been like, I can't read ahead. Or then with the read ahead sagas, I'm like, it doesn't flip into a creature. Mostly the experience I have is any saga that doesn't have read ahead, I'm very annoyed by. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can keep them separate in my head. I'm just very annoyed that they don't all have a read ahead. So I, like I said, I had uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker as my honorable mention. I felt I could not get out from under the Hourglass Coven here in Best Rare. Four Black Black for the 3-3 three, three Hag Warlock. When it enters the battlefield, draft a card from the Hourglass Coven's spellbook twice, then put those cards onto the battlefield. Other Warlocks you control get plus one, plus one. Yeah, that card is stupid. What's your worst rare? My I feel worst, like there's a lot. There's a lot you could choose from. My worst rare is also a, a literally the worst type of oh, thing. Okay. And I, I nominated my stupid cheater white rare, Lysel oh. Yankee <laughs> Warrior, nice. uh, which is actually probably the literal best, but it's the worst. Yeah. So three and a white, two, four, double strike with specialized one. Whenever you cast this spell, it gains. When this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability and opponent controls, you may exile this creature, then return to the battlefield under its owner's control and had backsides where you could specialize into a 3-6 double strike that did various things. Basically, the game was over 
as soon as Lazelle came down, unless you were significantly into the game and it dodged removal. Like, just why? Well, especially if you treated it as though it cost five, right? You just waited until turn five, cast it, and immediately flipped it. Yeah, because then you got the specialized, and then if they tried to kill it, you got the specialized benefit again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. God, that card. Yep. I uh, I went with a not the literal worst, but just quite bad. I chose the phasing of Zalfir from Dominara United. This was mm. two blue for Rita Head Saga. Chapters one and two, another target non-land permanent phases out. It can't phase in for as long as you control the phasing of Zalfir. In chapter three, destroy all creatures. For each creature destroyed this way, its controller creates a 2-2 black Phyrexian creature token yeah that card tricked people into thinking it was good or even playable i I was tricked at the beginning of the format i don't remember what i gave it uh, but i definitely thought it was good i was like oh kind of like cute little flexible blue sweeper like maybe this is kind of like i forget what it was phyrexian scriptures from original dominaria was like a saga that was like a delayed sweeper that you could maybe mess with the um, symmetry of but no this card was just atrocious but was really hard to parse out how atrocious it was by reading it, I thought. Yeah, that checks out for sure. All right. What about Mythics? Mythics. I've got a lot of good <laughs> memories here with Mythics. And for some reason, the Mythics don't bother me the way that the, the rares do. I, I don't know. I think that's the right attitude, though, right? Like, I think for limited, like, I don't get mad about Mythics. Like, I'm not going to see them that much. But when there's like egregious rares, like Hourglass Coven, I get people being mad about that card because like, why isn't it mythic? The only reason it's rare, like the only people it punishes at rare is limited players. Me personally. That's the only person. Sorry. Yes, Yes, Ben (laughs) Worthy. So my best mythic is Arcane Bombardment. And not the literal best, but like the best to play with and build around, I think. So this is four red red for Streets of New Capenna Enchantment. Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, exile an instant or sorcery card at random from your graveyard, then copy each exiled card with Arcane Bombardment. And you can cast any number of the copies without paying their mana costs. This was the card I wanted to open all the time at the end of the format. Like the last 50 drafts I did just praying to open or get past Arcane Bombardment. I love this take. Do you, do you have any other honorable mentions you want to shout out? I do have another honorable mention. This is kind of a card that I realized was broken, I don't know, a week or two into the format. Spirit Sisters Call. Yes. From Neon Dynasty. This is three white black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, choose target permanent card in your graveyard. You can sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with the chosen card. If you do, return the chosen card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it gains if this permanent would leave the battlefield. Exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. If you like loops, boy howdy, is this a card for you? Well, the the really gross thing with this card was how it worked in conjunction with the flip sagas. So what you could do is return a saga, right? So second enchantment, return a saga back to the battlefield. It does its first chapter as its second chapter. Then it exiles itself and comes back as a creature. So it forgets that Spirit Sisters Call will exile it when it leaves. Right. And then you could swap that creature saga for another creature, comes back into play, rinse, repeat. Oh my gosh, so good. Just an absolute grind fest. And the first time it was played against me, I just didn't understand what was happening and tried to force (laughs) my way through it. And then I was like, oh, no, this game is very over. (laughs) I picked a very meat and potatoes answer for this uh, best mythic. I chose Shouldered the Apocalypse. Two black black for a four five with death touch. Whenever you draw a card, you gain two life. Whenever an opponent draws a card, they lose two life. I mean, this card was a house. This card was an absolute house in the Lords versus Resources showdown or Smackdown, as it were, for DMU. (laughs) 
This card is one of the best cards in the Arena Cube. This card is proving to be one of the best cards in Vintage Cube in conjunction with Draw Sevens. Like, the fact that this card is just a scourge across many limited formats, I think, speaks volumes. Oh, yeah. Card is awesome. My nephew just opened a full art foil version of Shieldred for Christmas. Dang. Merry Christmas to him. All right. Moving on to the worst category of Mythics. My first nomination is Bootlegger's Stash from Streets of New Capenna. This is five and a green for the artifact. Lands you control have tap, create a treasure token. But it could do some things. This is the one dragon I didn't get to slay in Streets of New Capenna. I was very jealous. I always wanted to do a Bootlegger's Stash deck, and I never got to do it. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the uh, gosh, what's the phrase? The juice isn't worth the squeeze or whatever for this card. Yeah, I think generally, but when you went off with it, he went off super hard. For sure. What else you got? My honorable mention is Etherflux Reservoir. Could not go without shouting out Etherflux <laughs> Reservoir. Whatever format this card is in, I want to build around it. I don't know what, what it is about this card, but it's four mana for the artifact. And whenever you cast a spell, you gain a life. And then it gets one more life for each subsequent spell you cast that turn. And then you can pay 50 life to do 50 damage to any target. It's like the, it's the, the lyric of like, my mind's telling me no, but my body's telling me yes. Like that's how <laughs> like you and I feel about life gain. I think like, I think we know that it doesn't matter, but we're like, but ivory tower, Etherflux <laughs> reservoir. Could it be? I mean, I did the thing. I did the thing. Got the, got the monkey off my back in this format. I did the thing too. Uh, my, my worst mythic of the year goes to Meeting of the Five from Streets of New Capenna. So mm. it's three Wooburg for a sorcery. Exile the top 10 cards of your library. You may cast spells with exactly three colors from among them this turn. Add double Wooburg. Spend this mana only to cast spells with exactly three colors. So here's the deal with this card, Ben. I actually put this in a deck. <laughs> okay. I actually tried to do this. And it wasn't until casting it that I truly realized how abysmal this card was. <laughs> and it make it offends me as like someone who tries to do the janky things in limited, like tries to see the like derpy five color mythic and be like, all right, well, week five, let me let me give this a shot. It's offensive to me that this card is so bad. Like, what what do you do with this? You cast like a family fixer and then like a three drop uncommon. And you've saved one mana. Yeah, card like, is bad. It's so bad. It's bad with a capital B. Yeah. All right, that takes us on to our next category, which is hot takes during preview season. Do you have a best here? I do have a best. I had a bad best. And then as I was falling asleep last night, it came to me in a vision what my actual good best was, which was red is good in neon dynasty yeah i have i have that as one of mine too i ranked red as the number one color in neon dynasty week week one i wrote about red black sack for cfb week one our first neo episode was called red eggs and going ham we pushed back against the data saying red was awful early on but then no one remembers this <laughs> yes i i do think that is a good shout that is one of my honorable mentions i think that and the other thing I am most proud of as far as like actual serious takes that we got right that go mm -hmm. against the, the traditional grain or what the rest of the community was saying was also that Wingmantle Chaplain and Defenders were good in DMU. Yes. Like you and I were staunchly about that in preview season and everyone else was like, nah, Defenders can't attack. They're no good. This deck's meme, blah, blah, blah. Like just reading Wingmantle Chaplain and knowing that it did the thing on both sides was very Roost of the Drakes or whatever that card from Zendikar Rising was. Like it just was a very clear, good build around 
And then you also knew you were going to be able to tutor for it. So I think those two things are the ones that I am most proud of. I think the other thing that primed us for the defenders was the blue and the black uncommons were our preview cards. And so we sat with those cards longer than the rest of the community, or at least that that's what it felt like for me. So I was already like, ooh, we got some uncommon build around walls. They're being given to a limited podcast as previews. I wonder how real of a thing this will be. Right. Yes, for sure. I have a couple other sillier honorable mentions, which is tagging Clay Revenant as your pet card. I think that wore oh. itself out. That is, <laughs> yes, that it is a good one. That is a good take. That's a very good take. And then just on a, a personal note, I almost totally nailed Neo's top commons pre-format. I was looking back at our, wow. our crash courses. So I was I was very proud looking back at my Neo's top commons. I, the, I, other, I, the other formats, not so much, but <laughs> Neo for sure. I also want to shout you out as pegging streets as a two-color set very early on. Ooh, yeah. That was after the pre-release for sure. Yeah. So not many best hot takes for me. Quite a few worse hot takes. I chose giant monsters in bro being a real thing. I had Rust Goliath in my top three green commons. That card is garbage, very much filler. Uh, honorable mention is thinking that saga creatures would be too slow in Neon Dynasty. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's a bad that take. Is, that is it's a rough a take. take. I remember yeah. letting you talk me down on some of those, which was a mistake. Any others? Any other confessionals you want to get off your chest? I mean, I just need to be better. It's like sort of my my main take is like, I got to have better takes in 2023. But that's half the fun is doing it. And then nobody yeah. remembers. But if we're going to start doing this retrospective, maybe we have to be more serious about it. I know. I know. So my worst takes, I had Exhibition Magician, which is the two in a red, two one, make a treasure or make a one one ahead mm-hmm. of Strangle in my red top comments. Wow. What you said about bro, just touting that that was going to be Power Stones, the format when really it was more unearth the format. I mean, Power Stones are big players, but I think it is definitely not ramp to big things. No. Stern Lesson gave that a B leading into bro. And I think yeah. it's more like a C. Yep. <laughs> like, be, like being a whole grade off there. Mask of the Jade Craft, D minus from you, D plus from me. That doesn't look too great right now. That's, that's tough. To, that's tough to hear. Uh, yeah. I I left Rafine's informant out of my top commons in white in Streets of Nukapena. I mean, these like these small card takes. You know, you can't you can't beat yourself up about those. I mean, not not beating myself up about them at all. But I do think it's funny to hear, like, just knowing what the right answers are, just how wildly off you were right. prior to playing with the cards. And I do think one of the things you and I do best is we course correct super quickly when the first episode comes out. Like, I yeah. do think we are good at figuring it out. But it's funny what happens pre-leading up to the format. Yeah. And some other ones, I went back through my tweets. I have a habit of tweeting hot takes prior to the <laughs> format or in the first week of a format. Uh, I forgot how jazzed I was about timely interference being the best blue common in Dominaria United. Oh, my gosh. Which is not even close to correct. This That's the single blue creature gets minus one, minus oh, and you draw a card. And yeah, and then you can the force kicker, something to block yeah. with the kicker. Yeah. Yeah. You were all about that card. And then I think the, the coup de gras. Is that, is that how you say that phrase? I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's bring the French onto the podcast, baby. Le Briefcase. Le Briefcase. Was touting sticky fingers in Streets of Nukapena as Mox Diamond with Upside. Oh, man. I remember trying to build the Quad Jetmere's Fixer Quad Sticky Fingers deck. Yeah. It didn't get, it didn't get there. 
So there were the, there were some takes. Those were the best, but there were there were many more. Those are really good. Oh man, you look good for you. Like really getting to the nitty gritty of card grades, going through your Twitter. I, don't I, know I really I, enjoyed the hot takes one. I don't know. I don't know if I could stomach that. All right, <laughs> that brings us on to card that surprised you the most. So we have biggest mover up and biggest mover down. For me, the biggest mover up is a card you've already shouted out. I put Imperial Oath in Neon Dynasty. That's the six mana common that makes three two two samurais with vigilance, and then you scry three. Ooh, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah. My biggest mover up, I have two. Goblin Blast Runner from Bro. Oh, that nice. was in my mind pre-format as like, maybe you'll play this once or twice a format. Like you'll get the Goblin Blast Runner deck, and it just is one of the premier decks in the format. Mm-hmm. And then also the Writhing Necromass cycle from Dominar yeah. United. Yeah, that's a good shout is the, the cycle of the cost reduction creatures. Yeah. Biggest mover down for me, and maybe this is a little recency bias, but I put Scatter Ray from Bro. Ooh. One in a blue for an instant counter target artifact or creature spell unless its controller pays four. You know, I had this on my top blue commons. I think maybe we both did. And then we even had a discussion about like, well, like, what do we think about this? And I was like, well, four is so much. This just doesn't matter at all. Like from a card that I thought was going to be like, you know, so clear, like no question in my mind, this will be one of the top blue commons to a card that is like purely filler at best. Like I, I basically hope to never put this in a deck at this point. It's a pretty big fall from grace. Yeah, I have never cast that card. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Um, I had some honorable mentions for Pixie Illusionist in DMU, the Ooh, yeah. blue one one that could change your basic land types for a turn and lethal exploit from Neon Dynasty as the minus two minus two with scalability for your modified creatures. Both of those cards were just... Cards I thought would be quite important made my top commons in their respective colors, but in fact, we're not. My biggest mover down, I think, is not contentious for you or I, but I think might be contentious for the community. It is Vine Shaper Prodigy. Yes. One in a green for the 2-2 with kicker one in a blue. And if you kicked it, you got to look at the top three and put one of them into your hand. I had a heated Twitter direct message argument with our, <laughs> Whoa. With our mystical dispute friends. Um, who just like think vine like well you know this it's a constant bit over there of uh, G guards loving two mana two twos and I think uh, two duck cube trying to talk him off the ledge a little bit or needling him about it um, but yeah I had to be like look vine shepherd prodigy doesn't matter like it's impulse for four mana yeah really doesn't matter all right that takes us on to reprints this is category number eleven we're in the home stretch here yeah best reprint I gave to essence scatter one in a blue counter target creature spell yeah essence scatter was great that's a good take I like that actually better than mine but I I'm glad that we have two different ones mine is also from Dominaria United I put bone splinters single black sorcery as an oh, additional cost that card. to cast it sacrifice a creature and then you destroy target creature I do love this card generally. And I loved these black sacrifice decks as I often do, but I loved these in DMU. This is what I latched onto very early while everybody else was figuring out that blue was busted. I was drafting black white. But yeah, this card is generally not great. And I thought it was fantastic in the right shells in DMU. I think this is a benefit and an Achilles heel for both <laughs> you and I is that we see a car that's like, oh, you mean I have to do work to get a removal spell in sign me up. I will do the work. Like when yeah. we see cards that tell you to do things, yeah. I think that appeals to us, but it also makes us push down those lanes as well. Yes. I Yeah. I'm, that, that could be on our uh, retrospective lists as Achilles heels or like, you know, <laughs> best attribute, worst attribute as a magic player. But yeah. We'll save that for next year. Worst reprint for me 
which is I had several options here. I put giant growth because it was just kind of sad as a nod to power mm. creep green for the plus three plus three just got totally outclassed by uh, Gaia's whatever uh, the mm-hmm. one in a green plus one plus one counter and gain all of the abilities. Yeah, I have a, a, a similar shout um, in Battlecry Goblin as a reprint in HBG because this went from a mythic uncommon in AFR to worse than some red commons in HBG. So this was one in red for a 2-2 goblin. You could pay one in red for goblins you control, get plus one, plus oh, and gain haste until end of turn. And then I had pack tactics when it attacked. If you attacked with creatures with total power six or greater this combat, you make a 1-1 red goblin creature token that's tapped and attacking. Ooh, that's good. I like that. That's a good shout. My honorable mention here, speaking of categories of cards that we love that are not good, <laughs> my honorable mention is Suspicious Bookcase. Two mana for the 04, and you can pay three tap to give target creature unblockable. Not a good Magic the Gathering card, but for some reason, if a card lets you ignore the rules of Magic the Gathering, no matter how much mana you have to pay, it's always appealing to me. All right, I don't know what you're going to say for this. I have a guess for what you're going to say for our last category. This is easy for me. It's not easy for me. So our last category here is best and worst draft format. We must have the same worst answer. I don't think we do. We probably don't. don't. I don't think we do. Oh, you're the worst. You're the worst draft <laughs> format of 2022. <laughs> All right. So we gonna, are we going to start with best or are we going to start with Let's worst? Let's start with worst. Let's end on a high note. Okay. Worst for me, Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate, baby. This is unbelievable. This is the, mo- <laughs> this is the biggest betrayal. <laughs> to start the year off like this with your friend is just horrible to hear. Yeah. So I think there were several contributing factors here. One was the large number of reprints from AFR. It just felt like cobbled together hastily and not a lot of thought put into it when it could have been i think very cool and the other thing is specialized was just atrociously bad atrociously bad in gameplay and and draft and just thinking about in general there were just so many things that were downers for me about alchemy horizons Baldur's Gate. you done i am done <laughs> My worst format of 2022 is Streets of New Capenna. Not close. Not particularly close. In fact, I, in retrospective, I think it was a pretty darn good year for Limited. I don't think you mm. think that, but like the other four sets are sets I quite liked for various reasons and would be happy to draft again, happy to continue to draft in the case of Brothers War. Streets of New Capenna, not so. Um, I felt too restrictive as a guild format, as a a, a two-color format in sheep's clothing, in a format where the color pairs were restricted and the color imbalance was so great. Um, The mechanics were so restrictive. The, you know, two drops being two-colored, really like putting a hamper on your ability to pivot during the draft. I, uh, I was not a fan. Yeah, I hear all that. I just quite enjoyed my victory lap through Streets of New Capenna, where I was just like doing all nonsense and big score and ramping to things. That was very entertaining to me. And I I did not have much fun, period, with Horizons Baldur's Gate. It was fine. You, You got me up to fine. And believe me when I say I do not want to discourage that part of you. There, I feel like there's just like a little flame oh, and I'm making fire <laughs> at final four tribal council with you and there's this little spark and I want to I want to see that blossom into a, a full-blown fire there so you know all right so your your best format I think is clear to me yeah what do you what do you say you're you're going DMU 
Gotta go DMU. Yeah, gotta go DMU. This format was incredible as far as drafting, which is the experience that I value the most, not particularly close. And I think I value it so much because I'm not the world's best player, but I do think I am very good at drafting. And so I want to have an edge at the end of the draft that my deck is going to be better than my opponents the vast majority of the time so that I can make sloppy gameplay mistakes (laughs) and, and still win. And I think Dominaria United was just an excellent vehicle for being able to leverage draft skill and also teaching people how to draft that were not good at draft. I think it made you a better magic player. It made you a better card evaluator. It made you understand synergy. Like the fact that you had to do the work to make the cards good and combine cards in ways that they worked well together was just awesome. I loved DMU. I think my favorite thing about DMU was that it made us better podcasters. I think it presented some really interesting puzzles that we were like, how do like, how can we answer these questions for ourselves? And then how do we best present those to our audience? I think that was my favorite part of that format, which I liked quite a bit. And then sort of dropped off towards the end about 100 drafts deep, it, it started to decline for me, just that that lack of build around e the lack of like fun rares most of the rare slot being straightforward or duds i think war on me specifically i know understand it's not for for everybody and i don't actually have a clear answer here for my best format from i'm gonna i'm gonna give you one you can you you can go you want to give this to bro right i do but i feel like it's not fair because (laughs) why is that well because i only really sat with it for a month like i didn't draft this format that much like i love it but I wonder if it was actually here for two months, would I still feel that way? So I kind of feel like I have to give it to Neo. Ooh, that like, is a shocker. You like Neo more than Dominar United? I do like Neo. Yes, Neo more than Dominar United. For me. I Neo, think, it, have you seen those commercials where they throw the red <laughs> challenge flag and you go back and you check the tapes? <laughs> have you seen those commercials? Do you watch TV? <laughs> no, I don't. There's like some, I don't know if it's a car commercial. I don't remember what the commercials are for, but they throw a red challenge flag, sports, and they go back and they check the tape. It's like always a husband and a wife arguing or whatever, or two friends arguing. You, I don't know about this from Neo for you. I think the Am I same misremembering. Lack, I think the same lack of build aroundy rares and stuff from DMU. I think you're misremembering mm. about Neo because our biggest gripe about Neo was that your pick orders never changed. That's never true. changed. It right. was not Neo for you. I, I, right. I'm, I'm gonna, go, bro. I'm gonna save you. Okay, he saved me. I'm going, bro. Well, I feel because I, I was worried because last year I said Val was my favorite set, and I was like, do I just like the most recent limited format? <laughs> like, can I really give it to Bro at the end of this year too? Um, but I do love Bro, and I think it's great. I love the like colorless nature of stuff. I love the retro artifact slot. It like lets you spike stuff. It lets you do janky things. You don't have to twist my arm to say Bro. I just felt like. It's not quite fair because I haven't like, you know, tested its limits, you know? Yeah, that's fair. But I spend a lot of time with you and I am I am pretty confident that your favorite is bro. Okay, well, you see me much like uh, much like the Navi and Avatar. You see me. So can we get the power rankings here of the five sets of the five sets, the power rankings? Okay, so then it's bro one, Neo two, DMU three, HBG four, SNC five. Yeah, I think my ranking goes DMU one, Neo two, Bro three, SNC four, HBG five. And it's it's a bad limited year for you, right? Like that's three sets you didn't like. 
Yeah. So I think for me, it's like DMU A plus, Neo solid B, Bro like C plus B minus, SNC like C minus C and HBG like C minus D plus. Yeah, it was not not a great limited year for me. I had two sets. I really enjoyed Neo. I really enjoyed Neo. It got old at the end, but was very cool at the beginning. That would be my knock against Neo was that it had the sharpest decline, I think, from the first mm-hmm. two to three weeks to the end of the format. But that's fair. DMU was incredible. Incredible. And I, I did really enjoy, despite SNC being very narrow, my my nonsense tour through the end of SNC. <laughs> I, I enjoyed watching it from afar, your nonsense tour of SNC. All right. Thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns about our retrospective of 2022? This was awesome. I, I would like to vote to make this a, a format staple. This was very fun dipping through and looking back at at everything we saw here as far as cards and just, you know, this was only scratching the surface. Like I would yeah. encourage folks if they, if they want to get a dose of nostalgia here, if you're in the Ethan camp of wanting to feel nostalgic leading up to New Year's, just pull up Scryfall and look through Neo or look through SNC. There's, there's some bangers in there. Yeah. And shout out to 17 lands on Scryfall for making this retrospective possible, I would say. Yes, 100%. I I was on 17 lands preparing for this more than I have been the entire year. <laughs> and I think, you know, if you're in our discord, or if you're on Twitter, like get at us if you're like, hey, it'd be cool if next time you guys looked at this category or what about this? Or, you know, we'd love to hear about more wacky, whatever. You know, I think uh, I think we could definitely mess with the categories are not set in stone after this first iteration. Yeah. And if you want to post your own in the, the recent episode discussion in Lords of Limited, that'd be cool to check out as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'd love to see those. All right. Great place to wrap us up. 2023 welcome 2022 smell you later thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give it a listen thanks so much to tcgplayer.com for sponsoring this podcast if you're heading over there for any and all purchases or signing up for a tcg player subscription please navigate yourself there via our affiliate link at lordsoflimited.com slash tcg player you can check us out streaming well can you check me out streaming in 2023? You'll you'll have to see. TBD. We'll have to see. TBD at uh, twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. But certainly twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Maybe some vintage cube nonsense before it wraps up for the season. And you can also check us out on Twitter on those same usernames. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Paternity Chronicles. I mean, of Lords of Limited. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you later.